This is exactly right. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Ghosted by Roz Hernandez, the podcast where I like to talk to people that I like, including you, the listeners, about things that make me go, oh my God, who are you people? How did you find me? It's another listener phone call extravaganza, which you know I love. Every time the listeners call in, you know they always bring it. And as always, the invitation is open for you to submit your stories to the show. You just email ghostedbyroz at gmail.com with the subject line, listener episode, and then just give me some brief bullet points of the kind of stories we would talk about, and we'll take it from there. This is an action-packed episode, so I say we just get right into it. Let's toss it on over to my conversation now with John. Now, John is one of these people that lived in a haunted house. Can you believe it? Got a lot of haunted houses, a lot of haunted homes on this week's episode. So here we go. 
First phone call. Take it away, John. Oh, my God. It's John from California. Hello, John. How's it going? Hey, Roz. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for doing this. Um, Hang on a second. You've been watching the TV show I'm on? Yes, I've been binging it. Um, I've been listening to your podcast for a couple months now, and the minute I heard about the show, I waited anxiously for it to start, and... I've been watching that and then listening to your interviews with the cast members in between. So it's been kind of a fun experience to hear your commentary with your cast members and then watch the show. Cute! Well, it seems like you are no stranger to going to haunted places. No. What is the deal with this? So you spent a bunch of time, did you grow up in a haunted house? Yeah, um, about eighth grade, so back in 96, my parents bought a house, just a normal house, nothing with like a super long history, you know, it was about 30 years old at the time. Um, My parents purchased it from an older couple that um, basically the, the woman was sick with cancer and for the last year there, they had only lived downstairs, they couldn't even use the upper level, so they kind of begrudgingly sold their house. Um, The man was a carpenter and had done a bunch of custom work to the house. So they really didn't want to leave, but we bought it from them. And uh, pretty shortly after the the fun started with the ghosts. What happened? So there's been lots of little different occurrences, but over the years when we were there, oftentimes we would hear footsteps moving across from one end of the second story to the other um, when literally no one would be awake. Um, There's no excuse for it, but we could definitely hear people walking from one end of the house to the other. What? So do you think that since they couldn't be there when they were alive, they're like, we're going to go upstairs now? Well, it's funny because, you know, my dad, after all of these occurrences that we'll talk through, um, he kind of made the connection at the end. He said, you know, I think that the uh, previous owners moved back in. <laughs> um, they actually, apparently, when the when the when when they sold the house, the woman passed away pretty soon after that, I think within a couple of months. And the husband, I think, only lasted a few more months after that, probably passed away from a broken heart. And my dad swears that they, they just kind of came back and moved back into their own house. It's very Beetlejuice. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they like came back and they're like, who are these people? Totally. I mean, we didn't have anything super negative happen, but I think it was more of kind of like that, hey, we're here, we're we're just kind of occupying the space with you, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. So what other kind of stuff would happen? So, uh, like I said, the guy was a um, carpenter, and so he had done all these, like, extra, like, embellishments to the house, and one of them was this old-style, like, brass knocker, like, picture a, a brass ring on the back garage door. So the, the door that goes from the dining room into the garage, right? Um, and so there's no wind there. It's totally enclosed by the house. We would hear that thing knocking, like, quietly, sometimes not so quietly, Often we'd heard it in the evenings. My sister would hear it. Um, she lived with us, came back to live with us at one point and would hear that knocker go and then would hear footsteps across the hardwood floor from the dining room into the living room where she was sleeping. Uh. She said she would just be like 
paralyzed and kind of pull the covers up and just like hope for it to pass. I mean, that's creepy. Yeah. It's a little scary. Totally. <laughs> that, that was a little scary, but still nothing like too bad. My sister just kind of pulled the covers up and would get past it. Um, my dog uh, was a Labrador Rottweiler, like the sweetest dog possible. He was just like a love dog with animals and people alike. And once in a while, he would just turn and look at either the stairwell or like a corner of the room and the hair would raise up on his back and he would start to growl like the deep, deep growl that he never would do in normal circumstances. And that happened multiple times. So definitely the dog was picking up on something as well. But do you feel like they liked you guys being there? I think so. Um, the only scary thing that kind of happened was we've had um, multiple dreams that took place, like different family members that kind of like afterwards we connected it with probably ghosts or something happening in the house. My um, dad one time woke up kind of out of a deep sleep and there was a man holding a rifle and my dad was looking down the barrel of the rifle. <gasps> so it was pointed at his face and he just kind of like, you know, kind of instinctively sat up and swiped the gun out of his face. And of course, then he was awake, right? And so I was like, to him, it was, okay, this just a really scary dream. He got up, he uh, couldn't go back to sleep. So he got up and went across the hall to the computer to kind of just like look at the internet or whatever. And my mom felt him kind of stir, but she was asleep. She remembers that. And then she had a dream that a woman, like an old, decrepit woman, was kind of crouched by the bed and pulled out a syringe and was going to stick it in my mom's leg. And my mom, the same thing, just instinctively kind of pushed her away or, you know, and the woman, instead of sticking it in her leg, she stuck the syringe in her own neck. <laughs> that freaked my mom out, woke her up. And she kind of couldn't go back to sleep. And she went across the hall to my dad and said, I just had this dream. And my dad was like, that's so bizarre because I literally just woke up like two minutes ago from a really horrible dream. So they were both kind of having these experiences around the same time. It's so Beetlejuice. It's so these people <laughs> learning how to be ghosts and trying to be scary. Totally, totally. Like the other dream that I'll, I'll mention is my husband, boyfriend at the time, and I were sleeping downstairs. Um, just a quick background, my husband has kind of has night terrors once in a while, the kind that like he has a little bit of sleep paralysis, you know, and you can tell he's struggling to wake up. And I am a sleepwalker, um, <laughs> not every night, but it happens. And so we've got this kind of like funky sleep situation to begin with. <laughs> and <laughs> um, we are sleeping in my room and I wake up to a huge, like I swear, like a 10 foot shadow standing at the foot of the bed. Like, no shape, no face, but, like, a tall shadow. And it freaked me out. So I'm, like, kind of thrashing a little bit. I, like, I, I'm sitting up, and I find out that Gabriel's waking me up. Like, so, okay, I'm, he's waking me up from a dream. And then Gabriel is, it's hard to describe this, he's having a dream about, like, a kind of a sleep paralysis-type dream. And then I'm waking him up. So we're both kind of in this weird, like, trying to wake each other up from a dream and before I said anything, when we finally were awake, he mentioned a shadow that he saw at the foot of the bed. So we both saw the same thing, but we were having two different experiences. And this was in the house? 
This is in the house as well, yes. What is that? That is so, I mean, come on. I feel like at a certain point, it's like, okay, yes, it's a dream, but it's like not a dream. It's like, it's really happening. Totally. It's not a dream when you turn to the person and before saying anything, they kind of like say what you were, you were thinking, you know, or what you experienced. It's uh, a little more than that, I think. I love a shared dream situation. Those are such good stories. Did anybody ever like, I mean, you said your parents kind of saw these people with a gun and a syringe pointed at them. Right. But like, did you guys ever while awake see these ghosts? Yeah, so not too often. It was more like the sounds and, and whatnot. But one time, my husband, um, a lot of these happened with my husband. Maybe he's the culprit. No. <laughs> um, my husband, uh, boyfriend at the time, uh, we were getting ready to go. We were going to go to the beach because San Jose is really close to Santa Cruz, California. So we're like kind of rushing around the house, getting our stuff together. And we're both walking out the front door. And I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot my keys. And so he's standing out on the front patio, and I walk back in, and my keys are just in the kitchen. So I'm, like, literally in and out. And as I'm grabbing my keys off the counter, I hear Gabriel outside go, hi. And I'm like, okay, maybe someone from my family is getting here, or, you know, he's waiting to a neighbor. And as he's saying hi, I'm literally walking out the door. Because it was that quick, but I was in and out. And he looks at me, and he goes, how did you do that? And I said, what? And he said, I just waved at you in the window upstairs. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, (laughs) no one is here. We literally went upstairs to see if maybe someone from the family was home that we didn't realize. And it was completely empty. But my husband waved at someone in the upstairs window. Hang on a second. So he just missed took it as you or was the ghost doing an impression of you i think he just kind of saw someone and figured it was me that i had gone up there to get my keys right i don't think he saw like my face on the ghost or anything but he was just like (laughs) i hope he didn't i don't know i never asked him (laughs) but i think he just kind of assumed and he's like how the heck did you get down the stairs and out the door literally in like a blink of an eye you know that was just another creepy incident of a kind of a little experience well at least the guy was not pulling out a rifle i know right and he was just waving this time totally i i'm glad i didn't have that rifle dream out that one was pretty rough Ooh, tell us the fireplace story oh okay that one's fun um it's my husband again i swear maybe i need to do some investigating i think my husband's a bit uh like connected with this realm <laughs> we're sitting watching a movie and it's kind of the time of year, like this time of year, probably where we turned on the fireplace for the first time in the, the fall. And it's a gas fireplace. It has like a kind of half circle metal grate around it and it's tiled. And we're watching the movie and we look over or my husband looks over and he goes, where did that footprint come from? And I look over and behind the half circle metal grate on the tile is a huge, like 12 inch footprint. You can see the toes. You can see the outline of the footprint. It's kind of like a pristine footprint in the dust. I'm like, that's bizarre. Because one, I'm the tallest person in my family and probably the biggest foot. And I go to investigate it, and this thing is bigger than my foot. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? And two, the placement of it is so awkward. Like, you talk about it all the time. You're kind of, like, automatically skeptic. 
right? Skeptical. Yeah. You know, you're like figuring out what's the way to describe this, like from a logical perspective. And so I, I'm like pulling the grade away and I'm like, okay, if I stepped right here, what could I have been doing with like cleaning the mantle or, you know, like if it was me and why would I be doing it barefoot? And then when I put my foot there, it's like literally almost like stepping into the fire. But only one foot, right? Just one footprint, but like you could see the five toes, you could see the the ball of the foot, everything. So we couldn't really like explain it away. And we're like, who the hell is dusting or cleaning with bare feet in the fireplace, first of all? So it's kind of creepy. We're like, well, there's the ghost. You know, at this point, and after so many years, you just kind of go, well, that is another ghost, you know, like nothing to be afraid of. But the thing just sat there for months. It didn't collect dust. It didn't change or move. But, you know, dust settles. So you would think, okay, after some weeks or a month, that would slowly go away. And it just was there until we finally, like, cleaned it away. <laughs> you know what a big ghost foot means? That means big, <laughs> big ghost rifle. Yeah, I mean, after that, I was hoping you'd visit my dreams, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> You could wave to me, ghost man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so is the house still like in your family or what? No, we uh we moved we've all kind of migrated up to where I am today, like kind of toward Tahoe, um, Sacramento area. Um so my parents have a house up here. We moved recently, or not recently, but in three years. Um, so no, that's not in the family. We've had some other ghostly experiences in other houses in San Jose. I don't know if there's time to touch on any of those. Oh, yeah. Let's touch on them. <laughs> touch on it. Um, oh, I had one more thing I was going to mention. I forgot. But and when my dad made that connection at the end, you know, he was like, hey, you know, think about it. I'm pretty sure that the, the original owners have moved back in with us. Kind of a spooky detail was that their last name was the Gravelines, and kind of kind of creepy the word grave in their name. You know, I've never looked up even what the meaning of that last name, but it, it always kind of spooked us out too. Well, in LA, that's like the um, murder tours of like Hollywood. Is the the company is called the Graveline Tours? <laughs> oh, well, sweet. So it is spooky. <laughs> Okay, so what's going on yeah. in San Jose? There's ghosts there, too? So we had another place that uh, my husband and I lived in um, for a couple, few years. Uh, also, like, a fairly new house, so not, like, a crazy long history. But that house, we definitely wondered if, you know, something happened in that house that we didn't know about um, because we'd often, often hear um, little little feet like kids feet running from one end of the house to the other upstairs like to the point where you'd pause the, the tv and go like okay you just heard that too right and that happened all the time and in connection with the little feet one night gabriel woke up and looked over to me and there was a little girl hunched over me no like not hunched. blonde <laughs> no hunched right that's <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> she was she had blonde curly hair, he said, and she was kind of crouched over me. She was there until she noticed he was watching. So when she realized he could see like he was aware of it, then she vanished. <laughs> so I don't know what she was doing to me. <laughs> oh no. You know what? I, I do that all the time with um like, if I walk by a window, like a car, and I see my reflection, and I start looking at myself, and then all of a sudden I see there's somebody in there, and then I'm like, oh, shit. And then I got to, like, act like I wasn't doing that. 
That's exactly what she did. You're like cleaning something out of your teeth and then you realize someone's in the front seat. <laughs> Absolutely. That happens to me constantly. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yep. That is so scary. Is that the only time you encounter or, you know, she came into your bedroom that you know of? I, that I know of, uh, but it kind of, like I said, tied in with the little feet. And then there was, it's kind of a, a funny one. My sister was over one day and it's like in the guest, like little half bathroom downstairs. And there's a long hallway going to different parts of the house. So the bathroom's right there. She was in there going to the bathroom and she, she swears she heard one of either myself or Gabriel walk by and fart really loud, like by the door. <laughs> And she kind of like came out of the bathroom and was like, ha ha, funny guys, like that's really gross. And no one was there. And we were at the other end of the, the house, but she like heard it clear as day. And so she swears it was like a little prank that one of the ghosts was uh, playing on us. I mean, listen, I don't know your sister, but I do know the famous viral video, Little Girl Farts <laughs> and Blames It on a Ghost. And right, so maybe it was my sister. I don't know. That one's a that one's a far fetch, I guess. <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much for joining me. These have been some great stories. Thank you. If the little girl comes back, give me a call. <laughs> Tell me all about it. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Thank you, John. Next up, it's Morgan. Oh, this one. You get yourself a nice, cute lease in an apartment, but it's a lease with the deceased. Time to call a priest? Talk to me, Morgan! I am now joined by Morgan in Seattle. Hello, Morgan. How's it going? Hello, hello. What is the deal with this haunted apartment building. Yeah. Um, so this like definitely made a believer out of me. I think I'd never been like closed off to the existence of paranormal things by any means, but there was just so much in your face stuff that happened to me living there. Ooh, okay. So I moved into this apartment building when I lived in Tacoma around like 2019-ish. Um, it was my first apartment by myself. Um, when I first lived there, I lived in a studio and it's like within a month living there, the elderly man who's my neighbor dies. <laughs> so things are like happening rapidly. I've noticed little things here and there. And then like day one, I move into this apartment and this woman walks up to me who's now a good friend of mine. She's like, I'm a psychic medium and this place is super haunted. And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, they scratched me last night. And I'm like, okay, great. Who? The the old man? Uh, No, I, I guess there was like other people in this building that she has uh, interacted with. Um, she And she lived there in the building for like 10 years. Okay. She's a very sweet cool woman and so like things go along and then eventually i actually moved to a different apartment that was down the hall because i wanted one bedroom right for covid so that was perfect and so little things that had happened like uh there was always one end of the hall that was like less lit than the others um and just on halloween i came home from a party one night and i just like looked down the hall and there was something like undeniably there i'm like okay what do you mean there was something like something it was standing um kind of like in the silhouette of the window and it just was this kind of black fog like black like silhouette of a person and i was just like okay not tonight and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna deal with this right now and i just like 
hightailed it to my apartment, closed the door, burned some sage, done, go to bed. And of course, this happens on Halloween. Right. They're like, it's our night. Yes. And then there's just been times where, like, where you, I would get home. So I used to work nights sometimes, and I would get home at like midnight, and it just felt like there was a party going on in this hallway. It just felt like there were people, there was energy. And then like that people were watching me as I was like walking into my apartment. I've never experienced anything like it. And so these are like more mild things as I first start living there. Well, things really amp up when I actually become close to the person who lives in the most haunted apartment. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> There's this one unit and the psychic medium, uh, I'll just use her nickname, Kiki. Um, so she comes up to me and she's like, this apartment here, this one's super haunted. I'm like, tell me about it. Tell me, of course. And she's like, well, people who've lived there have like historically had problems like with slamming doors. I tried to cleanse the space once and the front door of the apartment slammed repeatedly. And she's like, and I had to leave. And I was bullied for like weeks after that. And I'm like, oh, wow, like, <laughs> that sounds really scary. If I was a psychic medium, I would not want to live in a haunted apartment. No. I would be like, I'm not working. Like, I need to clock out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. But like she was really religious and she really had like her protection down. But when I first moved in that building, there was a, a young girl who lived there. She was struggling with her mental health so much that she tried to like end her life there. Mm. Um, and she was just missing for a while. And then she came back from the hospital and she was no longer able to live there because of like her, her attempt, which happened in the apartment. So then that apartment was empty for a while. And then this man moves into this apartment and this becomes the man that I started dating during COVID. Oh, So it was like a kind of convenience dating thing, but he was like there and he was charming and, and he was like, you know, the way I kind of spent my time for six months. Did you get to be the person from the movie that's like, you know, people leave this apartment because it's haunted? Is that how you met him? I mean, kind of. He he brought me sushi one day. It was just like a cute little like love bombing thing. But like mm -hmm. Kiki, Kiki like got to him on day one, just like me. <laughs> and just had to tell him about how, like, how haunted this apartment he'd been waiting to move into was. And he's like, mm-hmm, okay. You know, he's a very, like, level-headed, skeptical man. Okay. And so I start hanging out there more. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, I had some problems moving in. He's like, all of the things that I was hanging up on the wall... I'd put it up and then I'd wake up in the next morning and it was all on the ground. Either someone had set it on the ground or it had woke him up because it was falling off. Um, and so the point where he had to like mount with like more intense hardware to keep things on. What are we talking like picture frames or TVs? Picture frames, large canvases, shelving units. There was like a shelving unit. And, and this guy is like an engineer. So he it's not like, you know, he doesn't know how to use anchors and hang things up properly. Uh -huh. um, like me. Same. Yeah. So it was things that shouldn't be falling off. And so I'm like, okay, like that's, that's kind of weird, but this is a like really bright, nice apartment. This is not like you walk in and you're creeped out. 
Um, so things started like slowly kind of developing more. I came over to his house one morning. I was walking down there and his front door was open. I was like, dude, like you left the front door to your apartment open. He's like, oh, well, like in the middle of the night, I heard banging on the door and I thought it was you. So I like got up half asleep and unlocked the door so that you could come in. And I was like, that was not me. It was Kiki. Kiki was trying to get in there. (laughs) Whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's a locked building. There's no way to get in, but there's only 13 units up there. It's it's, it's like very small. It was built in like 1930. And there's some shops below. Um, And I'm like, that was not me. And so later that night, we were in his bedroom I was helping him kind of fold his laundry. And I think I had maybe had like one cocktail, you know, and at some point we both passed out cold and did not wake out up until the next day I'd had like, and I woke up like just in a really strange position and we were both like, what happened? And like prior to that, the room had gotten like very cold and we're like, I'm like, what is happening? And then we just passed out. What? And it was a really strange situation. And like, I didn't go back a couple of days. I was like, this is, this is weird. And then things like started to really heat up more after that. Like we would wake up in the morning and the ceiling fan would be swinging back and forth to the point that the blades were scraping the ceiling. And then you would see the ceiling fan slowly just kind of stabilize and then stop scraping the ceiling. And that was scary because that was directly above the bed. So like whatever was in here, it was like tricky, but also threatening. Mm. There were like some really strange dreams I had in that apartment. Um, And then there was like one night where I was just laying there, I woke up suddenly and felt such an oppressive energy that I had this like full range, like panic attack that I'm like, I've not had a pandemic since I was a teenager, you know? And it was something that I had never experienced before. And he started to tell me things like, you know, things are like very weird in here. Um, He's like, I'm having more problems with the walls. Um, He would pass out in in the living room sometimes and wake up at like 3, 2 a.m. and just feel like there was something kind of standing over him, like an oppressive force. And this is like not like a spooky, like someone who's like into spooky stuff. Uh Now, why were you guys not sleeping at your place? That's what I would have done. You know, he didn't like my bed. <laughs> that was really what it was. He didn't like my bed. I'm like, look, you know. So we would stay over there. I stopped sleeping over there. It was just too much to, for me to handle, like, emotionally. Um, there's this one area of the apartment that's like a closet. And the closet, according to Kiki, is a portal. And that's where he would like set up his little workshop and he would go in there and he'd be just like hyper-focused to the point where he would like not even like acknowledge me and he would be in there for hours and then just get out and be like very spacey, very grumpy um, and just kind of like not himself. Things started to kind of amp up one night where um, I was at home and uh, he, this is, it has happened twice. Actually, so I was the first time it happened. I was at home, hadn't heard from him really that day. And he comes like running down the hall and he has like a towel on his hips and, and soap in his hair. And he's like, Morgan, there's something in my bathroom. There's something in my bathroom. I saw it standing outside of my shower curtain and I just got the hell out of there. And I'm just like, dude, you just ran like half naked down the hall. And this is how like scared you are. What did he see? Uh, he, he said it was a dark silhouette standing 
on the other side of his shower curtain and that it got ice cold in his like shower room. <laughs> okay. I was like, dude, I would have been too scared to get out. <laughs> like I would have just stayed there and cried. <laughs> Literally, what do you even do? Like, <sighs> yeah. Oh my God. At this point, I'm like, dude, like your apartment is really haunted. Like there's something going on here and he's still not like fully acknowledging it. So the next uh, next week, I come and I bring like a black tourmaline crystal, which are like, you know, supposed to repel negative energy, whatever. Hell yeah. I got them all over this apartment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're like playing cards. It's like a normal evening. Uh, still have this weird relationship apartment. I still don't really like want to be in there at night anymore. Like things changed like in a relationship even because it just is so weird. And so we get done like playing cards. Like I got in the shower and he's like, I'll hit you up later. And I'm like, okay, cool. Before I left, I took this crystal and I set it on top of um, a wine hutch where there was a lit candle, like a safety candle, you know, and I just set it up there and I just left. And it wasn't like my intention to instigate whatever is in there, um, but I definitely think that I did. Um, And so I left, I went back to my apartment and again, he comes booking it down the hall in his towel, soap in his hair. And he's like, it happened again. He's like, and then I heard crashing from the living room, which is on the other side of the bathroom. He goes out there. The candle has been thrown off of the wine hutch. There's wax everywhere. Um, and the crystal is gone. Like, it's gone. I got on my hands and knees. I looked everywhere for it um, and could not find it. And so I'm like, okay, wow, I kind of pissed pissed something off here, clearly. That's so scary to me because, like, in my mind, if, like, a ghost or a bad energy or something touches a tourmaline, I don't know, it would get electric shocked or it would, like, burn its hand or I don't know. Like, I wouldn't think, in my mind, it's, like, not supposed to be able to move it. It's supposed to, like, keep it away. Right, right. Which is what has me thinking that, like, this whatever was in here was, like, not, like, a human spirit (sighs) is not the impression that I was getting from whatever was in here. Um, Yeah. And so that was kind of the amping up point. And then not long after that, our relationship kind of ended um, for a number of reasons. But just it just did not feel good being in his presence or in in his space anymore. And... Several like weeks later there, like this is before we officially broke up, I went in the house and I thought like, you know, I'm just going to look for it one more time because maybe I'm crazy. I looked, I looked, I got down my hands and knees again. It was exactly in a spot where I know for certain that I looked and it was back and it was damaged and like cracked. The crystal itself was cracked and it was not like a poor quality tourmaline either. Um, It wouldn't have just happened from being dropped. Mm -hmm. It would have had to like gone through some sort of distress. So like I just scooped it up, I buried it in the park, and I'm just like I'm just gonna leave that there. So you said this was 2019. Yeah. At this point in the story, has has it gotten to pandemic time yet? Yeah. So I moved in there in 2019. He moved in in 20 like 2020. Oh my god! So being locked down with that. Yeah, and so like he is in this space, um, and. Like when he moved out, I I helped him move, and so I I moved some um, carpets from from the space. And when we lifted up this giant carpet, Roz, I kid you not, there was a human shaped dark stain on this hardwood floor. It looked like a 
human man like laying on his side in a pool of blood in this hardwood floor. There definitely was somebody that was probably there dead and decomposing there. Oh, it was undeniably the shape of a person. And then there was in the bedroom too, there was also a large dark stain in the hardwood floor. And typically like you can get those up I know, because I called the apartment people. I'm like, does something happen here? And they're like, oh, well, we took over management six years ago. Like, we don't know. <laughs> oh, the body was there when we found it. We don't know. Yeah. I was like, oh, great, great. Um, then I started having problems in my apartment. I was waking up for a three-night span. Um, and I usually keep my space pretty, like, clean. You know, I have lots of, like, trinkets and, you know, stuff in there. So I, my space had always been a safe haven up until the tourmaline incident. Um, I started waking up at 2, 3 a.m. and hearing like a female voice screaming. And it would go on for like a a few seconds and end. And I also started, I have it on, I have a video recording it too, um, but I also started hearing knocking in my walls. And it would be a rhythmic kind of like it was rhythmic. And I would wake up at night hearing this or I'd be going to bed hearing this. And I'm like, it's got it. I'm I'm trying to tell myself, oh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's windy and something's on the roof, but it was just became rhythmic. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hearing the screaming at night. First night I get up, I'm really concerned. I'm thinking like, is there someone being harmed outside the building? Like I run out to like, look, I have my phone. I'm getting ready to call my one. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening anywhere. And did it sound like it was outside or could you really tell? It it was it was like detached. It was hard to like really hear where it was coming from, but I assumed that it was from outside because obviously there's nothing going on in my bedroom. Right. I kind of like hustle outside and of course there's nothing there. And then it happens again the next night. And then I tell Kiki about it and she's like, Morgan, I will come in and pray for you. And so I was like, great. And so she came in and she said a little prayer in my apartment and I smudged it and then it stopped. But that went on for four nights. And like the fourth night, like before I told Kiki about it, the screaming went on for a lot longer and it was very prolonged and it was like, pay attention to me. Um, It's also leaving for work one day and I saw like, you know, those little cabinets in old bathrooms where you open them up and it's like a mirror. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Uh Oh, my cabinet opened and my toothbrush flew out of the cabinet uh, into my bathtub as I was like leaving the house. And I was like, Oh no. Oh, I just left. Um, but I think like just the biggest thing is like since I've not lived there, it's so just such a different feeling being home. Uh, so I think it's just when you don't live in a haunted space, you really notice how much living in a haunted space has an impact on you. So, but like the stuff in your actual apartment, none of that started until after your ex moved out. The stuff in my apartment happened after the tourmaline incident. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's when stuff started happening in my apartment. That's screaming. Because screaming like that in the middle of the night, especially multiple nights in a row, it's like, even if it wasn't a ghost, what is going on? (laughs) Like, that is so scary. Yeah. I'm like, someone being harmed here. Like, that is like my first impression. Um, But the history of the building... Like a previous tenant that was there in like 2018, who in that apartment 
like, I don't think killed anybody, but severely beat up multiple people (gasps) to the point where, like, it had to be professionally cleaned by, like, a biohazard because there was so much blood in that apartment. What? And, like, Kiki had been witness to that. So she, like, as I'm, like, looking through the research, she's like, Morgan, you know that, like, this apartment, the bad shit has happened in here. Like, in the whole 10 years I've lived here, I've seen people very mentally ill people live in this apartment. I've seen very violent people live in this apartment. I've seen, you know, lots of people break up in this apartment. Um, This is the one that you were in or your ex? My ex's apartment. Oh my God. And I actually looked all of that stuff up online and and it was like confirmed, like, yes, a serious assault occurred at this apartment. But do you know what like the original energy or history like what's like the root of why all this happens you know i i have to go off of the expert (laughs) and i think just from kiki saying that that apartment is a portal and in that closet like that is the the portal in which everything is coming from and the building's almost 100 years old and it's been a lot of different things over the years and i think it's a combination of residual energy from people living in that space and the fact that like i actually was there when people died there right so i think it is just things that have accumulated over time but i wasn't able to necessarily find exactly who is behind these specific acts because i don't think it's a specific person right But I'm always like, okay, if you think of a portal as like an airport for ghosts or energy or whatever, Mm -hmm. I get why humans make airports in big cities that people travel to. But like, why are you like, let's do a portal in a closet in Tacoma in an apartment? Like, (laughs) how does this happen? It's always like so random. So the building was built by this man. He was a Tacoma socialite back in the 30s when he was making lots of money. He was very into magic shows. He was a magician, but he was also a spiritualist and was very deep into that. He actually had a house that was in the same neighborhood, but he built that building. And so it makes me wonder, like, I mean, you just don't know what he was initially using this building for, but it's already built by someone who was very attracted to the paranormal in in various ways. I don't know if he ever lived there personally, um, but I know that the building changed a lot over the years and like used to be fewer apartments and now it's more apartments. And I think when you have like a space that changes so much, it upsets energies that are in it mm-hmm. and leaves confusion, especially like when one apartment used to be a part of another apartment and now it's a studio. Right. Like I feel that it's just things have have built up there over the years. And that's kind of what Kiki's assessment of it was also. Energy and people who never left this building. Well, I'm glad you left it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me too. Me too. But it was kind of it was kind of like spooky at the time. It was kind of like fun at the time and until it started happening in my apartment. Yeah. Cuz I couldn't just leave, but just it would just be such a weird and I I know that you know what I'm talking about where it's like you are in a space and then you step outside of the building or you step outside of a room and you just immediately feel better. It was that. 
Oh, I'm sure, especially when it's your 24-7. Like, that yeah. just, that's too much. Or even walking down the hallway, like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, Morgan, I got to hop on another call, but this is amazing. The, I lo- You know I love a beginning, middle, and end, and this was like the perfect, yes. you move into a place, all this stuff happens, and then you leave. Oh, love it. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Oof, that's one of those moments. I don't even need my deposit back. I am out of there. <gasps> okay, we already talked to one John. I say we talk to another. Here's John, who is a theater performer and has some stories to tell about it. Places, everyone. Enter stage left, John. I am joined by John, the theater kid from Philadelphia. How's it going? 
It's going swimmingly. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. I was so excited to hear that you have a story about summer stock theater, which is a thing that I love. Oh, you do? <laughs> oh, my God. Obsessed. I, I don't go to enough of it, but it's something I always wanted to do. I did very little of in my life, and I hope at one point in my life I do do and spend a full summer doing it. Yes, embrace the chaos. Yeah, you get little romances. You get there's the dramas. Oh, I love, and then also the performing. Sure, sure, sure. But I like I like all the other stuff too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> performing less less important than the drama. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But, okay, so you're doing the summer stock, and we're not just going to talk about summer stock because there's also ghosts involved here. What's the story? Yeah, so I'm going to take you back in time. Okay. Um, We're going to go back to the 90s. Fun. Specifically the summer of 1995. Mm. So, you know, get out your Tori Amos Little Earthquake CD, (laughs) your Madonna Bedtime Story CD. You know, at least if you were queer like like me. Okay. So, so yeah, so, so let me, um, let me take you there. So where this happened was on the campus of Muhlenberg College, which was, um, still is a, a tiny liberal arts college in Allentown, Pennsylvania, um, which is about 45 minutes away from where I grew up. So this was the summer 19, 1995. I just graduated from high school and I was going to start undergrad there in the fall. Now they do this sort of summer musical theater summer stock thing um, where they basically like get a lot of kids together, pay them $100 for three months to perform like <laughs> two musicals. It's quote unquote professional because they bring in like two union actors from like New York. Lovely. Love it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the theater, theater is really big at Muhlenberg College. It continues to be. Um, next to where the theater complex is, where this kind of experience took place, was this house. Um, and it was called the Bernheim House. It was named after um, this guy, Oscar Bernheim. It was constructed um, around 1915, 1917. And Oscar Bernheim was the treasurer of the college from around, like, I don't know, the early 1900s. So when, well, he died in 1946, but he held like a few different roles or something like that. So it was a private home. It was Oscar Bernheim's house. And then it became, I think, like a women's residence hall and then a German studies house. And then eventually it was sort of like the theater dorm um, later, like in the 90s. I mean, it sounds like the perfect place to be haunted. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) For for many different reasons. And it um, it was kind of like it had like it has kind of nondescript architecture. Like if you look at old photos of it, you can find them if you Google it. Um, it just looks creepy. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> but it was sort of famous for its theater kids porch party, basically. So we would you know throw parties there and stuff like that. So I bet those were noisy. <laughs> Very noisy, but there were only the fraternities behind the house, so the noise kind of just canceled each other out. There wasn't, like, residents living around this area. Okay. So if you're in the neighborhood, you're seeing all these houses, and you're trying to find this one, you listen for the Sondheim, and you found it. 
Yeah, yeah. Although the funny thing about the that you say that is is that actually the the summer stock director hated Stephen Sondheim would never do it. Like was a big sort of classical like pre seventies kind of musical person. So you would never hear Sondheim. <laughs> okay. What were the shows that you guys were doing? I think that summer, and I had to really jog my memory for this because I I spent a couple of summers there. I think they were Oliver and Forty Second Street. So like. Okay. Orphans and tappers. Okay, <laughs> fun. So, and this house, this is where you guys were housed when you were doing this? Yes. Well, part of us. It housed, I think there were like 10 or ten or 12 of us that were staying in there. And there was, they also housed people in the freshman dorm because there were a lot more kids, just 10 to 12. But I wound up getting put in that house. Got it. Okay. So it was, um, the house was three stories. They put me in the third floor, which was the only room on that floor. So the, the first and the second, they had like, I think, like three different rooms. Um, in this room, it was kind of like, it really did feel like an attic space. So there was kind of like sloping ceilings. And then in the room two, there was this kind of like, you know, one of those small sort of like two foot high gnome kind of doors that went into like a crawl and attic space. Oh yeah, where the dead bodies, where they used to hide those. <laughs> yeah, or the dead raccoons, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had a I was put together with a roommate in this room. So it was very dorm style in there, but he he mostly commuted and didn't spend hardly any time there at all. I think he stayed there the one night where we both experienced something and I don't remember that he came back. Um, yeah, so I did have a roommate, but he was never there, basically. Did you know it was haunted when you moved in? So there were whispers about this, but there was nothing like where someone definitively said I had an experience here. Um, but there were sort of whispers of the Bernheim ghost, like the ghost of Oscar Bernheim, but, but no one really ever kind of like sat down and been like, okay, listen, so this happened. But there were definitely kind of, there was chatter about it. Okay. So what happened? So, okay. The first odd experience I had was, um, so one morning I overslept, you know, this is before cell phones. Well, I mean, they, we had those like big car cell phones that was like the size of a briefcase, but I didn't have a cell phone. So this was like before that time. Uh-huh. So I overslept and I missed the start of rehearsal because my, this digital alarm clock that I had brought with me didn't go off. <sighs> And when I kind of like woke up eventually, I realized that it wasn't there. Like it was no longer on the bedside dresser where I'd put it. And I, and I looked around, I looked around, I looked around, I couldn't find it, looked under the bed. And I think, and I eventually just went to like the CVS and bought a new one. You never found it? Well, we're getting there. Oh, okay. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so it was like the first sort of odd experience. And then like, maybe like, I want to say like one or two weekend nights later, the roommate um, it actually stayed over. I think we had a party and there was drinking and whatever. Um, and the next morning we get woken up by this knocking. He gets up and he opens the door to the, to the room when there's nobody there. So we're kind of like, okay crawl back into bed and we hear this knocking again and then we realize it sounds like it's coming from the other side of the the small attic door that's in the room ew no <laughs> we're thinking did someone get this is the first thought did someone get drunk and pass out in there now mind you nobody came up to the third floor i was new to all these people no one came up there to hang out but also like if that was the case who the hell would just knock like you would you'd be like, hey, can you open it up? Like you would be saying stuff. Listen, 
Especially I a theater I was 17 kid. years old. I was 17 and horny. I didn't have any thought other than that. Okay. <laughs> Like, no thinking was happening. Okay. So, so we hear this knocking. We both kind of realize it's coming from the door. So he goes over, and he kind of, like, unlatches the door, and he opens it, and he looks inside. There's nobody in there. However, he pulls something out and holds it up, and it was the missing alarm clock. No. Wait a second. <laughs> so not only did the ghost take the alarm clock and hide it in there— but they also turned the alarm off because it never went off. Well, it was unplugged. It was one of those plugged-in ones that wasn't like a battery-operated one. Oh, it was one of the... Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, weird. But at the same time, I wasn't really... I didn't really think that much about it. Now, mind you, other people were living in the house, like I said, but I I didn't really know anybody. I was like, oh, maybe someone... It was a prank. I don't I don't know. Um so, so, okay, I should preface this next thing um, with, so I identify as a queer witch. I felt drawn to this, you know, very early on, like a, at the age of 10, I found some like practical candle magic book by, by Ray Buckland um, in the bookstore. And I had to be like really sneaky with it in my home because we were Catholic but I really kind of like was into it. And I remember I fished out some like red and white Christmas candles from my parents' basement. (laughs) And I I used to set up these candles and like rituals described in the book and like the woods behind my parents' house. Cute. (laughs) I was really kind of like living my best fantasy. I was living like, yeah, I think I even at one point stole a choir robe from school and then like dress up like the pictures of the witches in the book and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> experimentation so, so in the bernheim house i always had like to send somebody watching i don't know it's just like a scary feeling so one night i figured i'd be like why don't we try one of these candle cells down in the basement because why not and i was by myself so I, you know, I laid up candles. I did a little thing, but I don't remember actually getting anything from that at all. Like nothing happened. However, I think it wasn't that night, but it was probably like a couple of nights after that little like bell experimentation after rehearsal, like a bunch of people went over to, I think it was like the freshman dorm. They had some big party and, you know, I came back and I, I went to bed after rehearsal, you know, I was. I was like 40 before I was 19. <laughs> in the middle of the night, I remember I woke up and I had this horrible feeling of being pinned down to the bed as if someone was just like all of their weight was on me. And then this voice whispering in my ear very, very, very fast. And I, and I couldn't make out with what was being said. I remember it really vividly because it was a feeling where you could actually feel the air from someone's mouth speaking in your ear. So I get out of bed. I turn on all the lights, like really discombobulated, but there's nothing. There's nothing. So you were able to like break out of the, this thing that was holding you down. Yeah. I was just kind of like in a a little bit of a fog. All the lights are on. So I I went back to the bed. (laughs) I tried to fall back asleep with all the lights on. And I remember it, it took, a very, very long time for me to even like fall back asleep in like a very, very bright room. So that was the first time it happened. 
it happened again. Oh, God. And I remember this was like a night or two later. Um, I can't remember the time. Like I said, the roommate wasn't staying over. I woke up again. I was pinned to the bed. There was that intense whispering in my ear. The only thing is that this time I saw something. What did you see? There was this tall-ish figure standing inside the room. The lights weren't on. It was up against the door leading into the room. And I felt pinned down to the bed. I kind of threw myself out of the bed. I, I again, turned all the lights on <laughs> and I was done. So I, I grabbed some pants, I grabbed the car keys and I ran out of the house. I got into my car and I drove 45 minutes home to my parents' house. <laughs> Wait, but so this thing, like it was like a tall, like what, like black shadow yeah, it was, it was very shadowy because there was no, there's no light in the room except the light that was coming in through the window. I remember feeling like this was very much like, you know, I hate to gender this, but it did feel like some kind of like masculine thing. Oh, that was Oscar Bernheim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I drove home to my parents' house and I stayed. And I, I commute it for the rest of the couple of weeks that remained until that school year started. And then I finally moved into the freshman dorm. I refused to stay in that house. Did that roommate ever have anything to say? They never came back. They never stayed there again. I think they only stayed there for that night. And I think there was like maybe one other night, but they never came back again after, I don't believe, that knocking experience. Wow. So did you tell the other people in the house, like... Was there any other talk of stuff happening, or was it mainly just that room? Okay, so there's another piece of the story. There was this one friend of mine, Jessica, who was a... Jessica was going to be a senior when I was a freshman. Jessica was on their way out. And I remember telling Jessica about this, um, and Jessica was like, oh, yeah, that was probably Oscar. I'm like, but wait a second. It can't be that easy. <laughs> Have you ever had, like, an experience with this? Have you, you know... They're like, well, not like directly, but they, they've always said that there was this feeling of something else was in here. And they've always heard whispers about the ghost of Oscar Bernheim. Now, whether whether it was kind of rumorish or whatever, I'm not really sure whether or not it was because I kind of like, you know, tried to make some contact. I don't know. But there was definitely it wasn't something like people. Well, Jessica wasn't shocked by it, I should say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was only ever at night. It was like not daytime stuff. Well, no. I mean, I during the day, like when I would come back, I think it was like when we'd go on lunch break or something, or like when I would do laundry down in the basement, there's always a feeling that like someone else was in there. And I, I think I do remember a time when it actually had called up the basement stairs to ask if someone was upstairs and no one responded. So it was kind of, it was like a little bit ongoing, but I remember these particular things stood out the most for me because they were just really present. Ooh! It was probably a lot of years later. I was wondering to myself, could it have been sleep paralysis? But the thing about that is, is I've never experienced sleep paralysis before and I never experienced it after that. Yeah, we've talked about this before on the show where it seems like there's, rooms where these experiences happen and it's like yeah maybe it was sleep paralysis but like why is it only happening in those rooms to me like that is beyond just some kind of thing that happens to everyone when they sleep like that's that's some oscar 
Sondheim or whatever his name was, Bernheim. <laughs> I want to tell you about this piece of information I found because I, you know, when I was thinking about um, this, I wanted to go back and do some, a little bit of research just to check in with some of the dates about the house. So the house, I think I mentioned, it was demolished in 1997 and, and they demolished it to, to build a whole new sort of multi-million dollar theater expansion. So they raised it to the ground. Oh. It was like a little over a year and a half after this. But when I was doing research um, to kind of figure out some dates, I found a little piece of information in um, the archive of Muhlenberg College. Now, whether this is true or not, who knows, but they say that Oscar Bernheim died in that room on the third floor in 1946. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, though, like, why he wouldn't want you to wake up. Like, why he wanted to hide your alarm clock. And, like, what? Like, what's that all about? Is he just being flirty? It gives me trickster vibes. I mean, I, I don't I don't know Oscar personally. But... Oscar sounds like a silly bitch. I'm sorry. Oscar was silly. <laughs> At one point, I thought Oscar might have been a homo because some of the some of the stuff that I read um, was Oscar loved his rose garden out back and would constantly be tending the roses. I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is a this is a homo. Now, come on, I mean, it's, just, <laughs> some, it's not I, only but... homos and <laughs> women that I'm sorry. It, <laughs> I just I just picture this. Lovely gentleman tending the roses. Oh, maybe he's the homo. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. It could could be. Yeah, yeah, but it's unfortunate they they leveled the house. But I've also heard every once in a while that um, there's been chatter about Oscar Bernheim spirits still kind of being around the area. Well, yeah, he had to go somewhere. <laughs> I say you go back there. And you figure out, was he a homo? <laughs> <laughs> I should plan a I should plan a rose bush. Plan a rose bush. See how he feels about that. And if he likes it, I guess we know he was gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for sharing this with me. I have to go hop on another call, but this was wonderful. Yes, thank you so much for, for having me on here. All right, see you later. Bye-bye. Thanks, John. Okay, last but not least, it's Casey. And Casey's one of these people whose family has just lived with a ghost, as if it's like having a Labrador retriever. Golden retriever? I don't know dogs very well, but you know what I mean. It's like, oh, it's just part of the family. Yeah, the, sometimes the ghost just comes and goes. Um, and they still live with it. And there's a moment where I really get shocked <laughs> when I discover that during this conversation. So here we go. Time for some Casey. I am joined by Casey in Vermont. Hi, Casey. Hello, Roz. Okay, I want to hear about your family home. What's this all about? Yeah, so my parents 
purchased their house in 2005, and it was built in the 1970s. It had only been owned by three other families before we bought it. But before we bought it, the previous owners were renting it out to college students, and they did a ton of damage to the house, um, unbeknown to the owner who lived out of state. So we couldn't actually move into the house for about a month after we purchased it because we had to make repairs, replace flooring, and paint. And after we uh, moved into the house, word kind of started getting around our small town that we had bought this house and moved in. And people around town were like coming up to us when we were out and about running errands being like, oh, I heard you bought the Colonel's house. The Colonel? Colonel Sanders? Yeah, right, right. We're like, okay, Colonel. Great. Yeah, sure. We bought that house. Um, And then we actually had a family friend who actually knew the colonel. So the colonel built the house. Um, She knew him while she was growing up. And um, so she remembered him building this house. And I guess it was like a big deal in our town when this house was built back in the 70s. Um, And then she informed us that he actually took his own life in the house um, in the 80s. Um, So we were like, well, that's a little creepy, but okay. Um, And then after we moved in, activity pretty much started like right away. We installed some gates to keep the dogs on the first floor so they couldn't go up to the second floor because we hadn't replaced the flooring up there yet. And at night, for the first few weeks after the gates were up, it would sound like someone was holding onto the gates and shaking them really violently because they were metal gates. Like they were trying to like take them down or something. My sister was the first to hear it. She said it sounded like a toddler holding onto the gate and like throwing a tantrum. Um, And it wasn't the dogs because the dogs slept upstairs with me. And I, I mean, it couldn't have been wind. I mean, it was like there was no explanation. It was just no, no explanation for it. Ugh, it's the colonel. I'm convinced already, but let's go. What else? Yeah. <laughs> so my older sister was living at home at the time, and she regularly got home from work after midnight when everyone was already in bed. Um, so one night she got home, went up to her room, she got into bed, and she was laying down with her back to the bedroom door. And then she heard the bedroom door open um, a little while later, and it's a very distinct sound. The doorknob squeaks, the door drags across the carpet, and then she heard someone go, hey. (gasps) Okay, you genuinely just scared me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so she she turned around and went, what? Thinking it was our mom, and like, why are you up? And no one was there. Colonel! I know. Um, That same sister, she was also the one to... The first one of us to see an actual apparition in the house. Uh, She and I were in the driveway and we were leaving to go run errands. And she looked over at our garage and it's a three stall garage and all three doors were open because it was a sunny summer day. My dad was cleaning. Um, And she said, hey, dad, we're going to the store. Do you need anything? And I looked over at the garage and I was like, no one's there. Dad's not dad's not even home. He just left. And she's like, no, I just saw him in the garage. And she swears she saw a man standing in our garage. And the way she could only describe him was he was wearing jeans. And that's why she thought it was our dad. Um, But when I looked over, no one was there. (laughs) (laughs) Were you guys the kind of people that believed in ghosts when you moved in and heard all this? Um, I always had. I think my parents were definitely skeptical because... you know, they're religious and, but my mom started having experiences too. So she, she believes my dad still thinks we're all full of crap. He thinks it's not true, Okay. but all of us have had experiences. So we're definitely believers now if we weren't before. What else happened? Um, so my younger sister, she was home alone 
and she was sitting at our kitchen table and that kitchen table faces this sliding glass door and it was dark out and she happened to look up and in the reflection of the sliding glass door, she saw a man walk behind her from our family room into our kitchen. And she said she couldn't really make out what he looked like or what he was wearing, but it was a very distinct figure of a man. And she was the only one at home at that time. One of the craziest things that ever happened was my mom had a watch go missing and she couldn't find it for weeks. She looked everywhere for it. And then um, after a while, she one day went into the kitchen cabinet where we keep our coffee cups. And as you can imagine, that's a cabinet that gets opened multiple times a day. People are always in and out of that cabinet. And she found the watch just sitting there laying very neatly on the edge of the kitchen cabinet where anyone would see it had they been in that cabinet at all in the past three weeks that this watch had been missing. Colonel, what are you doing, Colonel? Yeah, and that's not the first time we've had, like, jewelry or accessories go missing. You know, I had a ring go missing, and then I found it in a shoe in my closet. Just weird things like that all used to happen all the time. Um, that doesn't happen so much anymore. Oh, you guys still have this in the family? Oh, Roz, I'm in the house right now. Well, <laughs> I'm in the basement of the house right now. <sighs> <laughs> Okay, so what happens nowadays? Um, well, so I've been touched many times, um, usually just like a light touch on my shoulder. But one time um, I was laying in bed and it felt like a hand wrapped around my ankle and pulled. Mm. And I actually slid down the bed a little bit. And that freaked me out so much, not, not because like I thought it was a threatening move, but whoever's in the house, if it's the colonel, I believe it's the colonel. Um, he had never done anything like that before. And I was like, is he trying to warn me about something? And I actually like got up and went and checked like our wood stove to make sure nothing was like on fire because it was just such a weird event that had never happened before. Yeah. Like what is his vibe? You know, he's pretty chill, actually. Um, we've never once felt threatened by him. I think it's more about he just wants to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. And we've always kind of gotten the sense like he's really grateful that a family was living in the house now and not college students tearing it apart every yeah. weekend. And that we um, that we actually like fixed up some of the house. There's actually still projects to this day that have to be done from damage to the house. But we work on it little by little. Well, yeah, and it's, it'd be interesting to know if the college students had these experiences yeah. or, you know, there's also that common theory of once you start doing renovations, you can wake up the spirits. Right. Yeah. So my sister actually knew the guys that had been living in the house. Um, her friend was dating one of him. And that's actually how we found out the house was for sale. And they had told her they had had some experiences. She never got any like definite stories, but just like hearing things because we hear footsteps all the time in the house, like all the time coming down the stairs, walking across the floor. Like it's just a constant thing in the house. And we've kind of gotten used to it. Yeah. So you guys have been here for almost 20 years at this point. Yeah. You just get used to it. It's like... Mm -hmm. (laughs) No big deal. Not a big deal. Yeah. You know, oh, that's just Colonel. Like this weekend, um, we had opened up the double doors on the front of the house because we were bringing a new oven in. 
and we opened them up and then we had to close them because we weren't going to do what we were doing just yet. And then we went back to open them again and we could only get one door to open. And we were like, that's a little weird because this one was just open and we like played around with it for a minute. And then we tried again. It opened just fine. Like nothing was wrong. And we were like, oh, must have been the colonel. Like whenever weird things like happen like that, we're like, oh, maybe it was the colonel. Who knows? (laughs) And we just kind of move on with our day. And this whole time, your dad claims that he has never had experiences. That's what he claims. He doesn't believe in any of this, even with all of our stories. I'm like, I think you're in denial. <laughs> I bet you if you gave him a couple of pina coladas one night, he would tell you <laughs> some stories. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I should, I should try that. <laughs> um, you know, one time we were sitting, I was sitting in the living room watching TV and we had an entertainment center and the door to the entertainment center started to swing closed. And I was just like annoyed and exasperated that that was happening. So I just went, Colonel, knock it off. And the door swung back open. One of my favorite stories, because he was kind of like, oh, sorry. And just opened it back up again. Gosh. I mean, yeah, it's so fascinating to me, like just coexisting for all these years. Uh, What would you say? I know this is like an impossible thing to answer, kind of, but like, are we talking once a day, once a month? Like, how often is the colonel making himself known? Yeah, I mean, we'll go a really long stretch with nothing really happening in the house. Maybe footsteps every now and then, but even then, like, not a lot. And then it's like, all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I'm back. And he starts doing things again. Like, I was fully prepared to get on this call and tell you, like, yeah, I haven't really had anything happen in the last couple of weeks. He's been kind of quiet. But just this past weekend, I was, again, I was alone in the house. And I was standing in the foyer, the entranceway. And from the kitchen, I heard a man, like, clear his throat. Like, and I was like, oh, dad, are you home? And no, no one, no one was in the house. Yeah, he, he just likes to pop up every now and then just remind us that he's here. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm, like, still shook that you are, like, in the house right now. (laughs) I think it's because I I keep talking to people that are telling me stories from, like, their past or whatever. And you're like, oh, no, I'm actively with the colonel. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting right in the basement, you know, in the house that he built. And I don't live here anymore, but I regularly come here just to help my parents with projects or anything like that. But it's really just not uncommon to be sitting in the living room and, you know, hear footsteps go across on the second floor or a cup gets knocked off in the kitchen on the counter. And I always want to be like, could you pick that up? Like, why are you knocking shit over? Yeah. But he never does. He doesn't clean. (laughs) I always wonder how much that kind of a thing is like, are they trying to get your attention or... Are they trying to be coy or sly or whatever, and they accidentally bump into something, and they're like, oh, shit, and then it falls over? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I think it's it's the second one, but sometimes when things fall over, like, it's just, it can't be an accident, you know? I, I think it's he's trying to get his attention, get our attention, just even just, just be like, hey, I'm here. Yeah. Don't forget about me. It's like, well, we couldn't forget about you if we tried, so... <laughs> Well, Casey, this is great. Thanks for sharing this. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else you wanted to share while I got you? Um, maybe the only other thing that ever happened to me that I was really like, oh, that was so weird, was I was 
standing in the doorway of my parents' bedroom, and I had my back to the bedroom, and I was looking out into the hallway. Behind me, I heard like a like a whistle, like, hey, get out of my way. And I like turned to the side thinking like, oh, maybe my dad was in the bathroom and I didn't know it. Um, but no one was there behind me. The room was totally empty. That was one that kind of like raised my hair a little bit like, oh, Colonel, that was creepy. Can you not do that, please? It's so crazy to me that he like can kind of talk like. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. I know my sisters say they've heard like conversations happening in other parts of the house and then they go look and no one's there. It's just, yeah, strange things, but never threatening, never crazy, scary. I mean, getting pulled by the ankle in bed, that's... Well, yeah. (laughs) That's not something that I would consider. (laughs) I wouldn't consider that relaxing. Yeah, I I can see how some people wouldn't like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Casey, if anything else crazy happens now that you've talked about him on a podcast... um, You let me know. I will. Probably something will happen as soon as we hang up because I've been talking about him. All right. Well, good <laughs> luck with that. <laughs> Thank you so much to John, John, Morgan, and Casey. Again, if you want to be on one of these episodes, please email ghostedbyraws at gmail.com with the subject line listener episode and bullet points, not too little, not too much. You know, like a sentence or two. The story is about a haunted house. It involves things being thrown and creepy dreams, like that kind of a thing. You know what I mean? And that's about it. That's it. That's all I need. I can't wait to talk to you all next week. I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! This has been an Exactly Right production. Want to share your paranormal experience on the podcast? I read stories out loud, and sometimes I'll even call you. So email me at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com. You can send a DM or voice message to the show's Instagram at ghostedbyroz. Give us a follow while you're there. And follow me, Roz, on Instagram at rozhernandez and on TikTok and Twitter at itsrozhernandez. My senior producer is the startling Jiha Lee. Associate producer is the alarming Christina Chamberlain. This episode was mixed and sound designed by the eerie Edson Choi. My guest booker is the petrifying Patrick Kottner. Additional production support from the hair-raising Hannah Kyle Crichton. My theme music is by the spine-chilling Brendan Lynch-Salomon. Artwork by the spooky Vanessa Lilac. Photography by the terrifying Elizabeth Karen. Executive produced by the chilling Karen Kilgareth, the spooky Georgia Hardstark, and the frightening Danielle Kramer. Follow Ghosted by Roz Hernandez on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Ghosted by Roz Hernandez merch.